Welcome to another week, Soulmates. Thank you so much for uh, joining the conversation. Plenty to talk about on this Monday. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. We're following the latest move in Florida uh, to limit what girls can, can talk about in school and what black patients in California are doing to get fair treatment. I'm Courtney Hicks. Courtney, I'm Brandon Hudson. Yes, you are. I'm in here for Nicole Corte. <laughs> it's good to join you. Uh, hey, look, plus we're going to talk about how Hennessy, Hennessy, is making changes at HBCUs and the iconic series that is making a comeback. Look, these are stories that impact our people. Different kind of changes, huh? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top conversation uh, for the day. The Smith County Sheriff's Office in Mississippi has backtracked on its previous statement that there was no foul play involved in the mysterious death of Rasheem Carter. That's a young uh, black father. Carter's remains were found decapitated with evidence of other significant injuries. His family had claimed he was being stalked, harassed, and threatened by unidentified white men in the area. Sheriff Joel Houston has now said that his department has not ruled out foul play. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump has described Carter's death as, quote, a Mississippi lynching in 2022 and very disturbing branding, uh, branded findings uh, earlier uh, in the month. Skeleton remains found. Mm -hmm. uh, no, this was back in uh, November, um, and they were scattered, yeah. uh, which left those uh, who discovered them to believe that there was definitely some foul play, uh, decapitation, uh, a head found in one place, uh, the spinal cord and other body parts found in another place. And, and a lot of people are like, well, how can you even, you know, not entertain that this could be foul play, let right. alone murder? Yeah, no, this is very sad Yeah, uh, because this is a young father. This is mm -hmm. someone whose child will have to grow up likely hearing the stories yeah. uh, connected to their father and how their father died. Mm -hmm. uh, it is hard to believe, and I know we talk about this often and it's very cliche, but we're living in 2023 mm -hmm. and we have to talk about lynchings of some sort, mm -hmm. um, given the history. So uh, hopefully justice is served for this family yeah. and that this young man's legacy um, can be carried out in a more positive way. Yeah, a, a lot of more investigating to do. We've got to, as a community, stay on top of this, mm -hmm. uh, stay on top of this case. And it really, you talked about lynching, it really brings uh, the Emmett Till lynching bill back into the forefront. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, the hopefully same this same kind family, of energy that we saw right. with George Floyd and uh, with a lot of other mm -hmm. deaths uh, at the hands of uh, police officers, mm -hmm. we have to carry with this one too. That's right. All right, so three employees at Central State Hospital have been charged with second-degree murder after the death of Ervo Otieno during intake. Now, video evidence has been captured, but is not being released to the public. Uh, Otieno was reportedly restrained for 12 minutes. He died of asphyxia after being smothered by seven deputies who were also charged with second-degree murder. Now, he had been on, held on assault charges at a hospital and was taken to a mental health care facility when he was restrained after being combative. His family's lawyers say that uh, they were, quote, grief-stricken and disturbed by this case. And this is, again, one of those cases where... We have to trust people mm -hmm. to be sent to these facilities for help. Like they're sent there for help. That's and right. then they're not supposed to end up dead. And, right. and that is why they stay in the news is because they're not supposed to end the way that this ended here. That's right. The victim is of color. Uh, those uh, newly accused, as you can see, were of color. Mm -hmm. So, again, here we are faced with more of a blue culture than anything that would be, you know, black on white or white on black. Right. And it, it's really going to be up to the system and the politicking uh, to make sure that this culture uh, is redirected and that we're not continuing to 
report and inform our soulmates on tragic cases like this before people can get justice for themselves. There was, you know, some background with the, uh, maybe uh, uh, being accused of robbery. We yeah. get that, but you don't have to be judged or in executed. Just because somebody some does right. something wrong doesn't mean they need That's to right. be, you know, executed for that. That's right. Uh, look, I, I hope, and this is very similar to what Tyree Nichols mm -hmm. would happen with him, but I hope that what happens at the end of the day is that we hear from a lot of our uh, black law enforcement mm. uh, organizations that they're a lot more vocal in, in making sure a lot of these things stop. Yeah, especially the ones who are out there doing right. Yes. I, I want to make light that there are good cops. Yes. Unfortunately, we just don't hear too too much of them. We don't. Yeah. All right. A ninth grader's claim that she was stopped from walking and reciting the Pledge of Allegiance has been refuted by Lexicon School District 1. That's in South Carolina. Now, the district's attorney said a video of the incident shows that the teacher touched Marissa Barnwell's shoulder to get her attention, but did not push her against the wall as first reported. Now, the confrontation allegedly occurred after the Pledge of Allegiance ended, and during a moment of silence, Barnwell reportedly argued with the teacher before walking away. The district said it conducted a full investigation and determined neither the student nor the teacher uh, should face any discipline. Brandon, I think this is just a matter of maybe opinion or how, you know, someone someone feels. I mean, a touch for you could, yeah. could be could be felt in one way and, right. and very different uh, uh, for me, uh, I do believe the student did definitely have the right to say this is how I felt about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess uh, these uh, folks, uh, the district down in South Carolina felt otherwise. I know the video shows one thing, but mm -hmm. it doesn't take into account how a person feels. That's right. And it's always, it's never really what you did, mm -hmm. but it's how you did it mm -hmm. and how you said it. That's right. And I think that's what needs to be taken into account here. Yeah, so even though it looks like this case is coming to a close, I'm hoping that that, um, that student can still feel validated in how she yeah. feels and maybe her 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 nucleus her family around her, that's, her can help that those are the things that's that when important. you shut someone down like that that's right it prevents them from speaking up and using their voice for something mm -hmm. else yeah. all right so arizona governor katie hops she signed an executive order on march 17th prohibiting the discrimination based on hairstyles now uh, making arizona the 21st state to pass such a ban now while Tempe and Tucson have previously passed similar bans, the executive order now extends protection to uh, state employees and contractors statewide. Discrimination based on natural hairstyles or textures, which we have seen a lot of, uh, such as braids, twists, and locks, will be now in an illegal will now be illegal in the state. Mm -hmm. now, according to a 2019 study by Dove, the order aims to create a respectful and open workplace for natural hair as black women are often judged harshly on their looks. I yeah. want to ask you, mm -hmm. being a black woman, how do you feel about this? You know, look, I, I believe the Crown Act is doing what it was originally designed to do despite the pushback, despite uh, the debate, the, despite, uh, you know, folks who are who are against it and really can't understand the walk uh, that we take every day mm -hmm. um, as black people, in particular black women in, in this case. Look, regardless of how you wish to wear your hair, uh, you know, I've never understood why it would be up for debate and who is in authority to say what is professional and what is not professional. I know sitting in this anchor chair along with a lot of my, uh, you know, journalist sisters like your, like your wife, yeah. you know, it's, it's heavily debated. You know, you kind of hesitate on changing the style. Will it be acceptable? And just the fact that you have to go to maybe a superior to say, is this okay? Yeah. It just puts you in a real funky space. So I'm down for this Crown Act. You know, people's natural hair and the way they choose to, to wear it um, really shouldn't be up uh, for debate.
I can't say it. You said it better. <laughs> I mean, look, I look at my hair. I, I, I keep it high. I keep it short and tight. So, yeah. uh, but no, I appreciate your insight because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that a lot of black women have conversations with. We do. At the salons, at the kitchen we tables, uh, talking with their girlfriends. It's constant. So it, it, it's, it's tough to see that Arizona is, is moving in the wrong direction of yeah, history here. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Republican Representative Stan McClain is sponsoring a bill in the Florida House that would ban discussions of menstrual cycles and other human human sexuality topics in elementary grades. The legislation would restrict public school instruction on human sexuality, sexually transmitted diseases, and related topics to grades uh, 6 through 12. The GOP-backed bill, which cleared the House Education Quality Subcommittee just last week, would also allow parents to object to books and other materials children are exposed to, require schools to teach that uh, a person's sexual identity is determined biologically at birth and set up more scrutiny of certain educational materials by the State Department of Education. Joining us now to take a deeper dive into Florida and how their actions are impacting the black community is Florida House Representative Michelle Rayner Goolsby. Welcome to Fox Souls Black Report. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm appreciative to be here. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into get into it for our, our viewers. We call them soulmates uh, who don't know uh, what bill HB 999. Could you explain, give us some insight on what that's all about and what's being done to combat that? So there are two bills. HB 999 really deals with the higher education component. And so that's the concerns that we have that uh, the representation of D9, and I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, uh, D9 and BSU and other multicultural organizations would not be able to be on campus. But the bill you just referenced before I jump got on is another bill that really is going to prohibit young girls from talking about their menstrual cycles. Um, my colleague, Representative Ashley Gant, who is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, so another D9 organization that is represented uh, here in the State House. She questioned the bill sponsor and said, listen, we know that young girls have their periods as early as fourth grade, would that prevent these young women, these young girls from talking about their period, especially if they got it at school or mm -hmm. maybe they don't have a family where they can discuss it? Mm -hmm. And the bill sponsor said, mm -hmm. yes. I mean, I started my menstrual cycle when I was in fifth grade. So this bill, if it was in law when I was growing up, would have prevented me from being able to go to a teacher saying, I have a problem, I've had an accident or, or what have you. And it's really interesting that the state of Florida, specifically the GOP, they are really interested in the sexualizing of young girls mm -hmm. and their bodies. And we have a whole host of issues that are happening here and no one is asking them to figure out those issues. Yeah, and, and you know, Listen, I think we're going so backwards. It's, it is such, it is already something, you know, uh, tough and, and heavy to deal with becoming, you know, coming into your womanhood and to, to mm -hmm. have to add the politics and the policy on top of that. You know, we're already working through some of the shame and I think we've made some great strides, uh, you know, as as young girls and, and women. And this is like taking us taking us back. And I'm, I'm so disappointed in, in this situation. That's why I appreciate folks like you coming on to talk. Let's 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 talk a little bit about being woke uh, for our soulmates and and tell us why you think Governor DeSantis uh, and this anti-woke agenda is, is not so good for us as in soulmates, as in black America, as in our culture. 
listen, I was in a committee <laughs> hearing. <Girl. laughs> There's so much to say. There's so uh, much to I, talk about with this. So I know it's tough. Talk. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I was in a committee hearing last week, and I... I, like, I had enough, right? And mm-hmm. I, I said to the bill sponsor because they wanted to not have these anti-woke corporations. Mm-hmm. And I said, I take issue with woke for several reasons. When folks like my parents who were in the civil rights movement who integrated the University of South Florida mm-hmm. said woke, they were being aware of the racial violence and terror that was happening around them. Mm-hmm. When our people use woke is for us to understand and to know what is going on. But what I feel like the right, specifically white men, uh, specifically Ron DeSantis has co-opted this. And a, another colleague of mine, another black uh, legislator, legislative colleague of mine said he feels like it's the new way to say the N-word. Mm-hmm. And, I, mm-hmm. and I can't say that I'm wrong because anything that I feel that's attached to blackness, attached to us asking for what is owed and due for us, asking for equity, we're not asking for more, we're asking just to be equitable. We are then called woke. We are then called, uh, you know, uh, this, you know, progressive uh, agenda. And to me, that agenda is... Um, is it's human rights and and I'll tell you this you know I have a lot of folks you know say well you know Rep Rainer Goolsby you always talk about the gay stuff you talk about the mm-hmm. black stuff you talk about this and I said listen I know y'all want me to talk about housing I know y'all want me to talk about education but if I am dealing with folks who don't believe you deserve to exist as a human as a black person, as a woman, as an LGBTQ person, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to care that you don't have equitable housing. They're not going to care that you can't keep your lights on. They're not going to care that you can't feed your family. So when we're thinking about these like culture wars, these are all connected and intersectional with our um with our kitchen table issues yeah and 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 that you know marriages the whole book ban thing and and his and his his push for that a couple of thoughts on on the book bans and i mean it it plays right into what you just said if they don't care they're not gonna care correct yeah correct 100 percent Indeed. All right. So as a black, clear, uh, queer, excuse me, Democrat uh, in Florida, what do you believe is is needed now to ensure as a community that we're moving in the right direction, whether it's a it's a personal stance you want to take or, or something professional or if they if they run along the same lines? Your thoughts? Listen, listen, I think it's time for our people to take back woke and for us to stay woke. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, you know, we black folks know how to organize like no one else. We know how to mobilize like no one else. We know how the power of the vote, we have seen it time and time again, and not just in past history, but in recent history. And we know how to make sure that we can create movements. And this is the time, and I was sharing with a friend this morning, Folks who are wanting to keep us oppressed are still hoping that we are tired because if you're tired, you can't really be active in what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is not the time, as as the book says, to get weary and do and well doing, right? This is not the time for us to get tired. And this may be a time for you to take a break when you need to take a break and to rest. But this is a time where we've got to come together with an agenda. And I get that Black folks aren't a monolith. I get that. But there are some things that I think that are just reasonable. Folks need to. Make 
make sure they have housing. Our communities need to be safe. Just like the other folks' communities need to be safe, our communities need to be safe. Black folks and brown folks have proven time and again that we know how to take care of ourselves. And I think that we need to be pushing forward these um, these positions and we also need to be building black political power and not black political power for a title but black political power that is moving our community forward and that is what i seek to do that's what i see a lot of folks my age and younger are doing really building that power that is based in community and based in people so you're gonna have me uh, uh send in some ties and offerings because you uh, we love in the ministry we love and appreciate you uh house rep of uh, down there in florida uh michelle uh rayner goals be, keep fighting the good fight and getting into that real good trouble as the generation yeah. before us used to stay say my divine nine sister thank you so much we got to have you back you're an official soulmate now <laughs> i love it i love it thank you thank you so much have a good one take care you too all right so representative jim clabber mm -hmm. uh let's talk about him so he endorsed brandon johnson for mayor of chicago a progressive black cook county commissioner who is running against former ceo of chicago public schools paul vallis now Clyburn's endorsement is expected to help johnson consolidate support from older black voters which is key the campaign is trying to cast the race as a contest between a democrat and republican despite being officially nonpartisan. Uh, Clyburn and Johnson bonded over their shared background as former school teachers and sons of Christian ministers. Clyburn's support for Johnson could help reassure voters skeptical of Johnson's past positions on police funding. And Nipsey Hussle's children, 14-year-old Amani and 6-year-old Cross, have been given ownership of the Marathon Clothing Store that's in South Los Angeles, which was built and owned by their late father. Now, according to reports, Nipsey's brother and business partner, along with the children, will have full rights to the store and $1 million each when they come of age. This move is aimed at reinforcing the value of real estate ownership to Nipsey's children while also passing down the family's legacy. The Marathon Clothing Store has been closed since Nipsey's death uh, back in March of 2019, but remains an online store. This is great because this is how you build generational wealth. Yeah, it is. And not only uh, with this situation, but uh, one of those endorsements that he uh, signed prior to his death, whatever way he maneuvered that thing, yeah. his kids will also get ongoing deposits into accounts based upon uh, a... Um, endorsement that he didn't even get to live out that he didn't even get to you know begin um but it's it's so it's so important to think ahead and think big uh like nicks nipsey did and because of that his kids are going to continue to be able to live very well in his legacy when you're a business owner especially a small business owner you gotta think two three four steps ahead mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i hope a lot of especially black owned businesses uh, can take note and have this this opportunity and this is a conversation starter for them mm -hmm. to say if suddenly i pass away yeah what am I going to do with my business? How can I pass this along to my uh, younger kids mm -hmm. or, or family members mm -hmm. and they can carry on the legacy and also just be taken care of? Yeah, we've, we've been denied generational wealth for, for a myriad of reasons. And that's yes. a whole nother Foxo Black yeah. Report show. But uh, when you have bright moments and bright spots like this, it always brings uh, hope and, and help to those who, who need information like this. Nipsey's legacy is still living on Man, in a great way. Tell you. So look, uh, actor Lance Reddick, this is upsetting news. Yeah. He, pa he, suddenly, he passed away suddenly Friday morning from natural causes. Now, Reddick is best known for his roles in The Wire, Bosch, Netflix's uh, Resident Evil, and most recently, John Wick films. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was a concierge in those films, the Keanu Reeves, and director uh, Chad Stahelski 
said that they have been dedicating this upcoming fourth John Wick film to Reddick, which opens, I believe, this week. And they are, quote, deeply saddened and heartbroken at the loss. He is survived by his wife, Stephanie Reddick, mm -hmm. two children. And the family is asking for privacy as they deal with this unimaginable loss. Reddick was 60 years old, but if you look at him, you yeah. would not have been, been able to tell that. And one. in the scheme of things, 60 is very, very young. It is. And, it is. you know, we, we can't, you know, we don't have control. Yeah. Uh, and so, but it's a, it's a, an unimaginable and some very unspeakable loss, especially with it being, you know, without warning. Yeah. Uh, he was what, you know, as folks have celebrated his work and started talking about him, I did not know that he was uh, a graduate of the Yale School of Drama, which is a very prestigious, it I is. want to say Angela, uh, Angela, um, Bassett. Yep, Bassett yeah. the Queen, uh, yeah. and, and, and a slew of other black actors have come uh, out of that particular prestigious uh, college, but just a devastating loss. And even if you didn't know who he might have been by name, you definitely knew yeah. his role. Especially if you're a big sure. fan of John Will, mm -hmm. John Wick. Yeah. So, yep, um, yep. all right, so look, still ahead, black Americans, they're code switching to <laughs> save their lives. When have we haven't had to code right. switch? When we return, we'll tell you where black patients say code switching is how they're getting better health care. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. Soulmates, welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. Uh, NFL lawyers, they're asking a New York judge mm. to reverse her decision allowing certain racial discrimination claims against the league and its teams to go to trial. Yeah, that's right. The lawyers want all of the claims made by NFL coach Brian Flores, you see him here, to go to arbitration instead. Now, Flores had sued the league and three teams last year alleging discrimination against black coaches. The uh, the judge had ruled that some of the claims must go to arbitration, but allowed others to proceed to trial. Lawyers for the coaches have asked that judge to reverse portions of that ruling. And and I hope it's for me. I hope it's more. Yeah. I know trials are long and drawn out, but I think it's the conversation that needs to be heard. Yes. It's the allegations. The allegations need to be heard. And that comes by way of a trial that people have privy to to listen because and tap into. Because when you do arbitration and I'm not too keen on, mm -hmm. on legalese, but when you do arbitration, it sounds like you're just sweeping it under the rug, yeah. under the rug so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, the, these conversations need to be had. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think this is a way for some people to try to protect the shield, so to speak, the, the NFL shield here. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, look, without a doubt, NFL is the most popular sport uh, in America. Mm -hmm. And to have any sort of black eye, especially given the, the talk we've had about CTE. That's right. Uh, to have this uh, racial discrimination um, talked about is something that the NFL probably wants to avoid at all costs. Yeah, but it's all, it's, it's in, in a trial, we'll bring that all up. Yes. Arbitration will make it go away as far as they're because probably let's, concerned. Let's, let's <laughs> keep in mind here, yeah, uh, an overwhelming majority of athletes mm -hmm. in the NFL, they are black. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of black coaches out there who are trying to get their foot into the door. That's right. And this is one of those ways that um, you kind of hear the stories about maybe why so-and-so didn't get a certain break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pushing for a trial yes. there. Indeed. All right, let's stick in with the law for a minute. There's a firm in New York that has announced a civil action case against the alcohol company Dos Toros, saying that this company allowed racial slurs and created a hostile work environment. Now, this all comes after a former worker filed a formal complaint saying that work, uh, workers regularly use the N-word and other racial slurs by non-black employees, including including supervisors, and they were using these slurs without any consequence. Now, the former employee says she was 
forced to resign due to discomfort and trauma that she, using these words uh, calls that she would hear on a, on a day to day at work. Words matter. Yeah. At the end of the day, words matter. And you can't have people who want to come to your job feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. with people who shouldn't be speaking racial slurs to begin with. Yeah. Saying them and then not being checked. It's 2023 and it just still amazes me how comfortable folks are mm -hmm. with being, you know, flat out wrong or or racist or thinking that it's some kind of a joke. Right. You know, or it's funny or it's cute. You know? I think we have to get to the point where uh, we as, 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 as black people have mm -hmm. to be willing to sacrifice our jobs mm -hmm. to want to speak up and call out trouble where we see it. Yeah, well, she obviously was, and yeah. we're hoping the best in regards to gaining some sure. new uh, employment and, and helping push that case forward. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. All right, Courtney, so there is a new survey that black patients tend to modify their speech and dress up during well, appointments with yeah, their doctor well. in an attempt to avoid medical bias. Mm. I've heard about this. This is implicit bias. California Healthline reports that 32% of patients pay extra attention to how they dress while 35% switch up their speech to put their doctors at ease. Now, over 40% of black patients even make it known that they are educated, they're knowledgeable, and prepared. Now, the survey was funded by California Healthcare Foundation entitled Listening to Black Californians how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health. Now, with a goal of calling attention to the effort black patients go to in order to receive quality care from health providers. No doubt in my mind, and I'm just going to personalize this story as my mother, you know, battled and then eventually, uh, you know, finished her, her battle with uh, cancer. Um, no doubt in my mind, uh, even though the care was good, I feel that we upped the ante because of a family. We mm -hmm. always came in there, uh, you know, decent looking, yeah. you know. Uh, we looked good and our questions were very thoughtful and they were very educated. I don't, you know, they, we were calling, you know, family right. members who are doctors and we, we knew what to ask, but um, we just didn't want any room for doubt that we weren't up to date or we weren't, you know, very prepared, prepared yeah. um, to, to help with her care. Yeah, no. It made the difference. Yeah, it, 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 there's always that sense of being judged. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I, we had this conversation before when we owned a house in, in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. She always wanted to keep the roof. Uh, we had a roof deck because we didn't really have a backyard. Mm -hmm. So uh, she wanted to keep the roof in order because she always felt compared to other people that weren't like us, mm -hmm. uh, that there was just a, a sense you of judgment, judgment that was there. Yeah. But, you know, we talked about implicit bias uh, through in, in 2020, especially mm -hmm. as the COVID, uh, COVID was making its way, especially in the, in the black communities. And, and, and there was that disparity between uh, black patients with COVID and other races with COVID. So it, it, it goes to show that, um, you know, we're still having to fight that battle of implicit bias when mm -hmm. a majority of doctors are, are not people of color. Yeah. And, and, and that's the that's the question too. a push for more doctors uh, of color. And right. we've had we've talked plenty about stories where uh, organizations are coming together to to make sure that we have more doctors on the front lines who look look like us. Yeah. So when we do go for the care, sometimes there's things that are just understood culturally. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that would help. All right. Black residents in New Rochelle, a city in New York near Bronxville, are wondering what's in the air after many uh, continuous respiratory illnesses and low birth weights. Mm. Uh, a new state program is monitoring air quality in communities that are considered most vulnerable to the effects of pollution and climate change. State regulators added New Rochelle neighborhoods into the lower Westchester region, which is one of nearly a dozen areas where the state is measuring air quality. The results aim to give residents a sense of what they've been inhaling, smelling, sniffing. They need help. 
They need help. They need help. Uh, you know, it, it goes to show that no matter how progressive a city like New York City is, mm -hmm. uh, there are still uh, little hints of racism. Mm -hmm. uh, in this in this case, it's uh, you have a, a largely black neighborhood or black mm -hmm. neighborhoods that uh, they are exposed mm -hmm. to pollution, mm -hmm. and that is another form of. Uh, racism yeah. because you don't you you're not going to find this in mm -hmm. a lot of neighborhoods that have a lot of money. Yeah, and it, and it's always been there, but to put a name and a label on it and to call it out, sometimes you just think racism. You think you know white doesn't like black, right. or you know black doesn't like this. Or but somebody uses the n word. Yeah, yeah, like, but, it, but there's, there's layers. In to this case, environmental racism, yeah. and and it's racism is diverse, a lot of layers. It's complex, and uh, sometimes it can be challenging to keep up with all the different ways we. have have and continue to be discriminated against. Right, mm -hmm. no, for sure. All right, we're gonna keep it moving here, Brandon. Coming up, tennis legend Venus Williams, the greatest of all times, has her eyes set on a new accomplishment. Looking forward to that. And <laughs> we'll also tell you what she's trying to do that will preserve her legacy for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to Fox Souls mm -hmm. Black Report. I'm Brandon Hudson in for the Quarterly Quarte, and we're going to get started with something on the West Coast, San yeah. Francisco, NAACP. They're backtracking and opposing five million cash reparations proposal. Yeah, the San Francisco branch had originally opposed the idea of a cash payout in favor of creating and funding programs that could improve the lives of those who've been impacted by racism and discrimination. Now, after receiving uh, backlash from the San Francisco chapter, uh, it issued a statement claiming that its rejection had more to do with its disbelief that the committee would follow through on that sort of a promise, Brandon. So yeah, the branch tweeted an official letter clarifying the, the stance by stating, quote, there should be some form of cash payments, but it called the $5 million proposal an arbitrary number and said that more than $5 million may be needed. Now, this is one of those things where mm -hmm. you cannot put a price tag on trauma. That's right. Uh, and to do 400 so, plus years of yes, trauma. <laughs> and, it's, and you're basically saying, how much is your life worth? Mm -hmm. And you're saying, oh, it's five million dollars yeah. when it, it is not. Yeah. On, on the lighter hearted side, you know, I think everybody's vying to, to find some citizenship yes. <laughs> residency yes. in San Francisco. That's where uh, Nick Cordelia is from. Me and his mom often talk like I'd say, hey, get my room ready. <laughs> um, but but on the more serious side of things, reparations. Yes. Yeah. How you go about it. I don't know. Because, yeah. again, how do you measure? How do you put a price tag? Uh, how do you figure out what's what's good enough? for 400 plus years of pain and suffering and discrimination and all the different eras as blacks that we've gone through, Jim Crow, yeah. you know, so on and civil rights. How do you go about doing that? And with each state individually trying to figure it out, as I often say, I just don't want deserving blacks to fall through the cracks and not get what, what, is, owed. what is owed to them. Yeah. And, and this, the sad Once part about decided. this is the people that are, are in the here and now mm -hmm. and could be the immediate recipients mm -hmm. probably won't really feel the effects of this. Mm -hmm. So it'll probably be the next generation after them and maybe even then. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at another 100 years yeah. from now before um, the people who are mostly impacted uh, get their just due. Yeah. All righty, we have some exciting news for our HBCU uh, graduate students or soulmates. The uh, Thurgood Marshall College Fund has teamed up with Hennessy. Hennessy. 
<laughs> the dark honey, uh, <laughs> to offer Hennessy Fellows Program. The program will award high achieving graduate students representing a variety of undergraduate, undergraduate majors from liberal arts to sciences and engineering, curated corporate development experience, as well as financial assistance. Now selected fellows will receive a scholarship up to $20,000 per academic year for up to two years and a one-time $10,000 stipend along with online training forms and immerse boot camp and networking opportunities. And for more information about it, you can uh, visit tmcf.org. Come on, Hennessy. Hey, you love to see it. I know Hennessy uh, is celebrated then, in a lot of different ways right, on right. campus. Somebody's been drinking Hennessy <laughs> uh, after, look, uh, and, and look, I'm kidding here. Uh, but anyway, look, they know their target audience. Mm -hmm. And this is how you capture it, and this is how you continue to keep people who are already loyal to you that's right to continue to stay loyal mm -hmm. because not only are you setting people up mm -hmm. but you're giving them opportunities that they probably would not have gotten from yeah. any other company mm -hmm. it sounds like a level of awareness who's yes. ever are in those marketing and promotion rooms yeah. thinking of how they can do some good in the hood it sounds like um, there's somebody bringing them some information as to or right. the, the stats as to yeah. who their true consumers are you know Henny will and he will sell out right and, and before the night is out right there'll be no more left if, if your place of business <laughs> isn't properly uh, stocked when we come to party so uh, um, you know why not give that money back and uh, help those folks in yeah instead of making another brand or mm -hmm. another iteration of Hennessy right why not invest all that money into the community back I'm in, gonna need to right. step up that's though <laughs> in the meantime so there we go all right so Venus Williams uh, we talked about her right before the break she's mm -hmm. on a mission to preserve her childhood home of the late singer uh, Nina Simone. Mm -hmm. Now, the New York Post says that Williams has teamed up with artist Adam Pendleton uh, to co-host a gala and fundraiser to support the refurbishment of the North Carolina property. Now, Williams stated that she is so excited to be part of this expansive project centering on the life and legacy of Nina Simone, who has been a huge inspiration for so many people. Mm -hmm. Now, Simone spent her childhood in the three-room clapboard house. Uh, in 2017, a group of artists purchased the property to preserve, and preserve the space and safeguard its legacy. Now the gala and auction is set to take place May 20th. It is great to see that Venus Williams is not stepping away from the limelight. That's right. All right, speaking of the limelight in our continued celebration of Women's Her Story Month, today we honor the life and passion of Nina Simone. Why not? Right, right. Mm -hmm. So she is known as the High Priestess of Soul. Nina was a singer, pianist, songwriter, and civil rights activist. Simone was born Eunice Kathleen Wayman. Ooh, on ooh. February 21, <laughs> February 21st, excuse me, 1933, mm -hmm. she took up the piano before her feet could reach the pedals. And by the age of six, she was playing during church services. She mostly is known as a jazz singer, blending gospel, blues, folk, pop, and classical style. Simone, uh, Simone was one of the most outspoken and influential musicians throughout the civil rights movement. In 2008, Rolling Stone named her to its list of the 100 greatest singers of all time. And in 2018, Simone was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Gotta love Venus, who, who I think is the go-to right. in, in, in tennis. Uh, you just gotta love the depth and you gotta love the giving back. And, mm -hmm. and now that she's shifting into, you know, more of a humanitarian role and, and, and pushing this cause forward to bring about awareness, I think it's absolutely fascinating. This is another way for people to know who Nina Simone was and remember her legacy because uh, it goes well beyond the music. And I, I think, uh, mm -hmm. 
I'm sure you probably agree. Mm -hmm. You know, music motivates everybody. Mm -hmm. Like we're all motivated by music. Yeah. And, and Nina Simone, uh, her words very powerful. Yeah, following you know her her career and and her music, uh, she has a great way of reinterpreting songs mm -hmm. uh, that have already been done, like the Strange Fruit song, which yeah. was really done by uh, Billie Holiday, and uh, the the Four Women uh, uh, song. There, Google it if you never heard it before. Um, just an amazing, amazing storyteller uh, with her lyrics and and the way she goes about uh, choosing her notes and and the emphasis and the yeah. energy. Um, she is uh, she is a force to still be reckoned with. There are a lot of singers today who could learn a lot Mimic. from Nina Simone. That's right. There you go. All right, so up next, it is a reunion almost two decades in the making, and it's a combination that you do not want to miss. I got to call my younger brothers. They used to be nuts about uh, Good Burger. The, the sequel is coming. <laughs> we got all the deets for you. You're watching Fox O's Black Report. Stay close. All right, so welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. And this next story, I had to look this up because <laughs> I've seen a lot of advertising for it. I know. And you haven't I, caught it yet? I haven't caught it. I do want to see it, though. The new show we're talking about is Swarm. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been the talk of everyone since it premiered on Friday. And across social media, there's this scene that just kind of blew up over the weekend. It is real steamy. Uh, the series is the brainchild of Donald Glover, who's behind Atlanta. Uh, foolish, what's his, what's his stage name? Oh, Childish uh, Gambino. Ch th thank there you. you Fo foolish, childish, same thing. But it's the, <laughs> it's the showrunner. I was in the same area who says uh, she loves the direction uh, the show is going in. Uh, Malia Obama helped to shape some of the antics in the third episode of Swarm, actually getting some show credit on mm. there. And the showrunner, uh, Janine uh, Neighbors, says she loves Malia's, quote, wild as hell ideas. Swarm is about the world's biggest and most murderous Beyonce superfan in uh, this uh, new thriller series. A lot of people ran to catch it. I yeah. think it's on Prime. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real quick view, if you will. There's like seven episodes or so. They're all like 30, 35 minutes. Okay. And there's a particular scene uh, that kind of uh, hit social media over the weekend. So I'm sure more, pe more people even over the weekend went and checked it out. But yeah. they say it's bananas. I can't wait to see it myself. Anything Donald Glover touches, it seems to be out there. Yeah, it's good. Uh -huh. he, he and Jordan Peele, I think, are two yeah. uh, of, uh, I'll say, artists mm -hmm. at this point who mm -hmm. are really, uh, really good at filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And they, they will be talked about for, yeah. for years and years to come because I, I enjoy every single thing they put out there. Yeah, it's good one. All right, uh, big announcement here over the weekend for fans of Nickelodeon's Keenan and Kale. Hey y'all, it's Keenan and Kale. We're here with a very good announcement for you. All three. One, two, three. I love it. I love it. I love it. The duel is teaming up again for Good Burger 2. The comedy stars you saw them there, Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell, as two unlucky fast food workers just trying to keep the restaurant afloat. Now, the original movie came out in 97. The sequel is expected to hit screens sometime this year. Was years. that one of your faves it, back it was. in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I loved all that. Loved both of them on all that. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good yeah. Burger. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, that was a great show. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the variety show they were on. Yeah. Uh, the movie. You know, for a kid's movie, it was what it was. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd be interested to see 26 years later mm -hmm. uh, what happens. Uh, but uh, on another note, though, it is just glad to see those two 
back together again. I was going to say, there's been, been some been drama. Because they've been linked forever, yeah. yeah. And, and, so and there have been drama between yeah, the two Yeah, and I know that they had, been, um, they had been linked before, mm -hmm. but uh, like I said, it's good to see they're back on the same page yeah. and back to working together. It's, it's good to see, you know, Keenan continue to reign. You know, yeah. he's one of the longest running folks on Saturday Night Live. Long, yeah, at this so, point, yeah. so big ups to him. And then Cal has had some ups and downs over yeah. the year. We've kind of seen him, years, we've kind of seen him in the spotlight and not such, such a good light. Right. I know there's been some friction with him and his daughter, his daughter calling him out on, I think, some deadbeat issues and some mm -hmm. other things. So it's good to see him a little bit more intact and maybe this will continue to redirect and get him back or keep him on track. And I'm sure there's a generation yeah. of, of, like my brother's about 30, a generation of 30-year-olds yeah. who watched this when they were kids' kids uh, who are waiting to see what this Tell sequel Mitchell is going to be all about. Here we go. Yeah. So this will be great. Yeah. All right, so the highly successful spinoff of The Fresh Prince, Be Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, has been renewed for a third season. The mm -hmm. reboot is titled Bel-Air. If you haven't seen it, see it as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a more serious focus on how Will makes his way from Bel Air to Bel Air from Philadelphia. Now, director Morgan Cooper says the intention is to show the characters in ways that you couldn't do 30 years ago in a sitcom. Now, the show is currently in its second season with the season two finale airing April 27th. Now, I have not seen season two yet. Mm -hmm. I, I, when you got three kids at home yeah. and you're trying to wrangle them, you don't get to the shows as, as quickly as you would like. We're, we're only four. I, I'm a fan, so yeah. we're only four four episodes in, so you got time. Okay, good. Yeah, good, and, good. And, and, and it's good. I think sometimes you'll enjoy. it pays to just watch them all at once. Yeah, because the, the way those shows end, especially at the end of the first season. You don't want to wait another you week. You want to jump right in. Right. That's I'm going through snowfall right now. Okay. And, and, and it's like I have to force myself to, me and my husband, yes. force ourselves to turn it off. But uh, a, a very much more serious look. It into, is. I love the way they have blown out this storyline and yeah. they and they begin to uh, tackle some topics uh, that 20 years ago either weren't in existence or you wouldn't probably have been able to tackle inside of a yeah, sitcom. You, you always well have concerns when you hear that you have a sitcom that's beloved by everybody mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. say that it's to take a, a divert a, a, a switch to yeah. being, becoming more real but mm -hmm. they really invested it's a, a lot job. into it mm -hmm. and really made it work here yeah and it's a not uh, it focuses still on will and even though they're kids yeah it isn't a it's 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 an a something that everybody can enjoy. A lot of adults you might want to be there with the kids as they watch it because they, you know, they do what teens do. Right. No. Uh, but it's really well done. Yeah, I mean, it bridges that gap from a lot of the people who grew up watching the show, mm -hmm. who were kids, who are now parents yeah. and yeah. adults, and uh, they can watch with their yeah. kids. And don't take my black card, Brandon, but I didn't care for The Fresh Prince when it was out as really? a sitcom. Mm -mm. Okay. So All this, right. this here, this is this more is, of my oh, thing. This is more your jam. Yeah. All right, cool. Clarence Eugene Fuzzy Haskins, an original member of the influential music collective Parliament Funkadelic has passed away. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which inducted Haskins along with other core Parliament Funkadelic members in 1997, confirmed the death to NPR. Haskins started out singing in the 50s and 60s in Jersey in a doo-wop vocal quintet. The Parliament's named after the American cigarette brand and led by charismatic musician, producer, extraordinaire, George Clinton. The group didn't achieve great success until they scored a hit in 67 with uh, I Want to Testify. Hackens was 81 years old. I can't believe, you know, you just, you hear these records forever and ever and ever. Yes. And sometimes you don't realize that the artists are aging along with right. the records. When I read he was 81, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You're still thinking of them in their primes. You see back videos, whether it be YouTube or you come across something. And I don't know, you just want to freeze these artists in time. Because but, the music is so timeless. Yeah. Uh, and when you listen to the music, there's something about listening to music, especially black music mm -hmm. from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. You just 
when you put on that. If you have a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, mm -hmm. you put on an album, mm -hmm. and the instruments and the recording just sounds so fresh. Yes. And it doesn't sound mass produced, and that's, that's right. not it's not a, a shot at you what's know, happening what's today happening in the studio. Today, yeah. But I think if if there's an artist out there who can find a way mm. to take a lot of that live instrument recording. Mm -hmm. and turn that into R&B yes. and rap today, yeah. mm -hmm. they would be a very successful person. Yeah, I think uh, the leave the door open guys. Especially Motown. Yeah, I, I oh, think yeah, they're doing Silk a good Sonic. job. So I think Silk Song is doing a pretty good job yes. uh, at that. You can never, you know, duplicate, right. um, you know, that sound, all the instrumentation, just the genius. Um, it is still the best Saturday morning cleanup music ever, <laughs> and, and it probably will be. But when you look back, some of these classics, you know, when you talk about the 70s, they're becoming 40 and 50 years old now. And true. they still sound just as clean and clear and crisp um, as they did when they first came out, all the songs that, that we grew up on. Yeah. But you can't take away from how masterfully done they they are, and which is why they continue to just live on from generation to generation. We have a we'll producer here, Aaron, and uh, he kills me every every morning we're getting the show together because this soundtrack. I'm like, what do you know about that? I want to say he's just at. I'm like, boy, what do you know about that? But that just shows that those songs have been passed down, you know, from generation to generation. Because Aaron continue, had a great upbringing. Too. Yeah, continue yeah. to be to be loved. All right, still ahead, it's our favorite part of the show, Black Excellence. All right, so we're going to introduce you to a nonprofit that is doing a great deal for our communities. You are watching Fox Souls Black Report. All right, so welcome back, Fox Souls Black Report. Math with Ease mm -hmm. is a black-owned nonprofit dedicated to empowering African-American students through STEM scholarship opportunities. Now, the organization has already given away almost $20,000 in scholarships to bridge the gap and provide equal opportunities for underrepresented communities to excel in the field. That is amazing. So designed for students in grades six and up, the curriculum teaches coding in a fun, interactive, and easy to learn manner. As automation and artificial intelligence rise, coding is becoming increasingly important as a skill that can improve students' lives and make a difference in others. So, so Math with Ease is also looking forward to offering scholarships to students in Ghana in mm. the near future. All right, Chicago teacher is getting some much-deserved attention for an event that he calls Tie Tuesday. Yeah, so the whole idea, Brandon, is to teach his students how to dress professionally. Our friends over at Fox Chicago has the story. I'm going to adjust your tie, okay? Let's fix your collar. Every Tuesday is Tie Tuesday here at Dixon Elementary wow. in wow. Chatham. Let me make sure your tie is all right. Thanks to second grade teacher Daniel Jackson, who learned so, to tie Ms. one Diana at Redman seven years old. In college, I was reminded of how my grandfather taught me how to tie a tie. And I knew I wanted to be able to teach other young men and women how to tie a tie, just as I've done in our classroom. Tie Tuesday actually started in his fraternity at Illinois State University. He liked it and brought it here when he started teaching five years ago. Uh, each year at the beginning of the school year, I would teach my boys and girls how to tie a tie uh, because I wanted them to learn how to be professionals. The tie-in here? I wanted to make sure that you all had good what? Behavior and grades. Positive behavior, positive relationships in this building. And in this building, the tradition has continued beyond second grade. It, it was amazing because the culture of the school started to change. His former students still wear them as they get older, and he has now received tie donations and support from parents. They want the children to be able to be creative, 
They want the children to feel empowered in their classrooms and in the community. And it's working. I feel like uh, I'm going to prom. I like it because I just think I look, I just think we look so fancy. It makes me feel good about myself sometimes. And if my classmates do it, they can probably feel good about themselves too. And so does Jackson, who hopes the program expands beyond these walls. I want these young men and women to carry on this tradition. Uh, I would like it to be a legacy. Oh, that's good. It is. It that is great is to see. Because I, you'd be surprised just at the uh, impact like wearing a tie has on a young man like who probably doesn't said. wear a tie mm -hmm. often. You know, when you when you look good, you feel good. Yeah, that's what the, some of the young people alluded to in the, in the piece there. Now listen, um, never learn how to tie a tie, so okay. I'm, I'm gonna throw you a clip. All right. Clip that thing, clip that bad boy on. <laughs> but there's some kind, there's, it's an art, yeah. especially now as fashion evolves, especially for the for the guys, you know, and women too who choose to wear ties, like the I, the big thing, and then you have the, the shape this way and right. shape that way. I'd just be so confused. There's different so, ways to tie a tie. So, I mean, just with a regular necktie, there's four, four maybe more different ways to tie a necktie. So, See you got point. bow ties, then you got ascot ties. Um, now, you know how to do a bow tie? I, I know how to do a bow tie. By, from scratch, like with from the scratch. bow tie yeah, being yeah. like this. So, and you, so, um, man, so, you're amazing. A few years ago, <laughs> um, I wanted to start wearing bow ties. Okay. And On air? Well, no, not on air. Just, just when I go into oh, events, okay. I, I'd go to events okay. and be like, "Hey, look, I got uh, someone gifted me with bow ties. Mm -hmm. I just kept them in my in my my drawer, mm -hmm. my dresser, because I didn't really know how to tie them. So I had to teach myself. And over the course of 24 hours, I taught myself how to tie a tie, uh, a bow tie. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, whenever I can, I try to wear a bow tie because uh, you don't want to lose the muscle memory. Because if you don't really know how to do it, if you do it and then you don't do it for a long time, yeah. You kind of forget. Okay. But um, have you I, gotten real fancy with all the different knots right here for the for the ties? I just, or you keep I just it try. I try to keep it as simple as possible. But then there's this whole upper body etiquette because you it got is. the tie, bow tie, and then you got the square thing here. Pocket squares, yeah. and then you That's know, nice as, one, as spring way. continues, thank you. Mm -hmm. As spring continues, you start wearing the flower lapels. I do it as according to the season. Mm -hmm. So because you don't really want to wear flowers when it's snowing yeah. outside. But I feel like energetically, like, yeah. like when you started the show, you had the tie, you took the tie off. Right, had the tie I bar think, too. Yeah, yeah, but I think energetically, it, it kind of relaxes you a little bit. Yeah. When you know you don't have on a tie, do you get a little relaxed? Sometimes you feel more comfortable. Sometimes I feel more comfortable dressing up than I really? do dressing down. Okay. Um, but it's just a matter of... Uh, I think it's a skill set you, that you need to have because you, you need have. it for job interviews, mm -hmm. you need it for uh, dinners, mm -hmm. uh, going out formal to dinners, yeah, formal, formal dinners. occasions. Um, and so, and, then, and people, it gets people's attention. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know how to tie a tie, and I need to learn how to change a tire. I know I'm bad. Yeah, that's I know right. I'm bad. I'm going to get it one I mean, day. Your husband can help you out, right? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. can change the tire. Yeah. That's why I don't have to know. All right, for today's stories and more, access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our streaming partners like Samsung Plus TV. YouTube, Roku. Uh, check out past shows and other Fox Soul content when you visit foxsoul.tv. And don't forget to download uh, the Fox Soul app, Soulmates. It is absolutely free as always. You come in clutch. It's you been handle a the business for us. We yeah, appreciate you, know, you. Anytime. And this color really is good. Can, I appreciate can it. you yeah. lift I mean, so they can show the secret the the Ooh, And the socks. There sugar shop. We say casket so, yeah. shop. I know. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> so it's a pleasure. No, it's, been, it's, it's always great to join here on Fox Soul and talk all the soulmates. Indeed. Too. The kid's good, wife good. Everybody's He's good. got three kids under three, right? Under four. Under four. Yeah. Same thing. You are amazing. <laughs> Brandon hey, Hudson, Courtney, we appreciate, appreciate you so always. much. I'm yeah. Courtney Hicks. I'm Brandon Hudson. Yeah, you've been watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. We'll see you soon. Have a great Monday.